0: Was the Hippocratic oath was a oath a vow that every doctor took prior to practicing medicine, a vow that every, every or an oath that every doctor took prior to practicing medicine, and what the oath essentially, I mean, it's a long oath, but essentially what it boils down to, and essentially the way we know the oath or come to understand it, is the oath essentially says that I will do no harm. That I will do no harm. So every doctor, and even to this day, we're still in med school, they still take this oath. The doctor swears, a a doctor vows to do no harm, which would seem a little hypocritical, right? Why would a doctor do harm in the first place? And that's kind of the question. Why would a doctor do harm? And the answer is that a doctor can do harm by healing. A doctor can do harm by bad medical practices, and the reality is that's been going on throughout all of history. How often, you know, can how often in history have people and men died, not recently I'm saying, but died because of the ancient doctor-approved practice of bloodletting? Or supposedly you, you bleed out, you know, the bad blood and keep in the good blood, and then you suddenly you're still alive. That's killed many, many people in the past. How many people, and you know, possibly, you know, have have possibly died because of a misdiagnosis of cancer, and ultimately received radiation and whatnot. Things poisoning, and, or, or even worse, back whenever I was growing up, if you had, not even really necessarily worse, but a, a, a kind of practice back whenever I was growing up, if you were sick, you always got this, uh, this drug called azithromycin. And it was just always prescribed, always prescribed, always prescribed, until the doctors started to realize, wait, actually, we're doing like more harm than good. We're making the bad bacteria stronger while now killing off all the good bacteria. And so the reality is, is whenever it comes to the art of medicine and the art of healing and addressing problems, it's easy to create more problems. And this doesn't just exist in the field of medicine. You talk to cops and you talk to, to, to people who basically enforce traffic laws what they'll tell you is that the number one killer of people on the road isn't drunk driving, isn't texting and driving. The number one killer of people on the road is overcorrection. Going one way, don't want to hit the curb, you know, spin the other way, you go into a spin and ultimately what happens? You roll the car and then you create a bigger problem. Overcorrecting very often can be the a huge problem. And it's also a problem just in life in general. The reality is... When we address problems, we don't always address problems. When we address problems, very often we can actually end up creating more problems. The word for this is iatrogenics. It's not an often used word, but if you want to look really, really smart, you can say it. Iatrogenics. And iatrogenics essentially means harm done by the healer. And it's something that Jesus explicitly condemns in today's gospel. The use and the reality of iatrogenics. Doing harm by trying to do good. You see, in today's gospel, what's interesting is Jesus uses a very, very detailed passage. One about weeds and one about wheat. And what he does is he describes essentially what a farmer back in the day. And farmers would ultimately sow seed into the, into the ground. And this this seed being wheat usually would end up growing wheat. But a criminal act back then, one that was that one that was highly was punishable quite quite severely, was a thief would go in in the middle of the night or maybe even in the day and sow a crop called darnell. A crop called Darnell. And Darnell was a weedy crop known for very, very thick roots that would ultimately get into the wheat. And kind of prevent them from growing. That's what Jesus is acknowledging. He's using an ancient example, an ancient farming problem, to ultimately describe the problem that you and I run into whenever, whenever we kind of live on this earth. The reality is, you and I all know there are good people in the world and there are bad people in the world. There's weeds and there's wheat. The reality is, is we have a church, too, that has both good people and has bad people. And the reality is, is that's why we call the church and sometimes say the church is corrupt. Why? Because we're a human organization with good and with bad. So what does Jesus say to address this matter? How does Jesus say that you and I need to address the problem of corruption, whether that's corruption within the church or even... Corruption potentially in our own work centers, corruption in, our, in the Navy, corruption in our own lives in which you and I live, corruption in our jobs. How do we address this? And what Jesus points out is that addressing problems, going in on a crusade and ultimately rooting out and, 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 so, and separating the, the wheat from the weeds on our own, can ultimately be highly, highly problematic. Why? Because, as Jesus says, whenever you pull up wheat—excuse me—whenever you pull up weeds, you can tend to pull up wheat. Now, why is that a problem? Why do we do that? Well, there's a couple of things. One is we tend to get really, really defensive whenever we see our friends getting taken out. We tend to get really, really defensive whenever we see our friends being targeted. Whenever we see our friends being addressed. Whenever we see our friends being kind of rooted out it tends to create a little bit of tension within the work center. But the second thing is, especially if we're the ones doing the the sorting between weeds and wheat, let's be honest, those of us in leadership positions, it's really hard sometimes to figure out, eh, who are the weeds, who are the wheat? Who's the one causing the problems, and who's the one preventing the problems? Who are the ones we need to keep? Who are the ones we need to throw these things tend to be a very, very hard problem. And so what Jesus points out and what Jesus says is, you don't need to address this. My friends, the reality is, is judgment is something that you and I really, really, really like to do. We like judging. We like pointing out, ah, oh, yes, this person has this problem, and this person has this issues, and this person does this. We, we really, really enjoy it. Is that why it's called it's called gossip? It's a sin. But what Jesus points out is that judgment is fundamentally futile. Fundamentally futile. It goes nowhere. Why? Because we might be judging somebody who's weak. We might be judging somebody who is actually not really causing that many problems or we might be trying to uh, trying to take a person out or addressing or getting rid of them or whatever fixing that problem only to discover, wow, Now that I've just gotten rid of that person, I just have a whole host of more problems to deal with. The point being, ultimately, is that Jesus is saying, hey, it's okay. It's okay. You and I don't have to address every problem that we see. We don't have to fight every battle that comes across our desk. We don't have to wage wars and and basically make and create perfection before our very eyes. We don't have to be the judge and jury of the people that surround us. You see, that's the beauty of Judgment Day. You and I can often look at Judgment Day and get a little terrified. Oh man, come Judgment Day. Fire and brimstone, Jesus coming in, you know, throwing lightning bolts, striking everybody which way and the other. That can be a very scary thought. But can it also be a very nice thought? Because what Judgment Day means, whenever God comes from the heavens and sorts the weed from the wheat is that you and I don't have the burden of judgment on our backs. You and I don't have the burden of judgment on our backs. Which means you and I don't need to put it on ourselves to sit and try to figure out who is weeds and who is wheat. You and I don't need to figure out who is doing right and who is doing wrong. All you and I need to do is be good wheat and grow toward the Son of God and focus on growing as high as you and I possibly can, even if we might be surrounded by a whole bunch of weeds. That's our call, to focus on the Lord. It's far greater for you and I to address the problem that is within ourselves and far more productive to address the problem and the weeds and the wheat in our own heart than ourselves than to address the wheat and excuse me the, the problem of the weeds in every body else. We know there's evil in the world. We know there's evil in the Navy. We know there's evil in the church, but the reality is, there's not a lot you and I can do about it. Well, I'll tell you back, we can do something about it, but as Jesus points out, it's probably not going to bear any fruit. It'll probably just create more problems. And so, my friends, I want to encourage us to really start to recognize and take that, that oath seriously. The oath that Hippocrates introduced into the Greek world, because the oath that the Hippocrates introduced into the Greek world was not actually kept by the Greeks. It was kept by the Christians. You see, the only reason why we know that oath is because monks in the Byzantine Empire, in the Byzantine days kept copying it down over and over and over again to the point where we now have it. In other words, our church, our fathers knew that that idea that you and I are called to first do no harm is a very, very helpful piece of advice. That you and I in this world will be tempted to, in our righteousness, correct the wrongs in life, which ultimately do what? Create more problems. And so I want to encourage us all to think, before we go and solve problems, before we go and try and identify who are the weeds in the world and what's the what are the issues we need to solve, remember and ask yourselves, is this going to do more harm or is this actually going to heal as we're setting out to do?